December 7th, 2021. Seven lines from the top two words before the end of the line. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are dedicated in loving memory of Rachel Bat Mazal by Ralph, Ralph and Grace Gindi and grandchildren, as well as Marlene in memory of Marlene Bat Angel by Joey Levy and family. Where uh, here in the Gemara, the Gemara had just mentioned, if you recall, it was dealing with the fact that Rabban Gamliel, when the witnesses, the potential witnesses, would enter into his Bedin, the Aliyah, the attic of his Midrash, in order for him to check them as to what they saw with regards to the new moon, he would show them, uh, he would show them images of the moon he had on his table, he had on his wall. And as a result, he would ask them, what do you see and how do you see it? Which one does it look like and so forth? And the Gemara immediately, and I told you it's really going to be the entire discussion of the Gemara, challenged that and said, Umishara, is it really permitted? Are you allowed to draw or construct the image of the moon? The Gemara cited from Pasuk, and in turn several Beraitot, which we'll continue to deal with, of Lota Asun Iti, the Pesukim at the end of Parashat Yitro, Avakadosh Baruch Hu, speaking to Am Yisrael of final commands, final warnings, don't make Iti. And then it says, Eloheh Chesev, Eloheh Zahav, Lota Asun Imadi. What's Lota Asun Iti? The understanding is you're not allowed to construct anything that's in any way associated closer with me, let's call it. Those who are my shamashin. And as a result, how could you make a moon and a sun? It should be forbidden. Those are my shamashin. Those are my ministers. Those are those who serve me, so to speak. So Gemara's initial response was that the only prohibition was with regards to making shamashin, those which could service God, those who are the conduits, so to speak, to God, uh, which we could fully construct, which we could craft in their full fashion. As opposed to the sun and the moon, they're so large, they're so distant. What was the example of such, of those sorts of matters which would be forbidden? So the Gemara said, you're not allowed to construct a Mishkan or a Mikdash type of structure. You're not allowed to bring forth a Menorah, a Shulchan, and so forth. And in that context, the Gemara talked about what sort of Menorah would be permitted for you and me to construct. It said if it's a Menorah which has eight Kanim, eight branches instead of seven like it had in the Mikdash, or five or six, maybe if it's made of something different, question, of course, uh, arises, halachically speaking, whether a synagogue is allowed to have a seven-branched menorah. Morris again mentioned uh, yesterday, talked about the menorah, I, I elaborated on it, in the old city. The menorah in the old city is the biggest issue with regards to this matter, because that's exactly, at least in our understanding, what the menorah looked like and will look like, and they intend to use that in the future mikdash. The permissibility on that one, as per those who permit, is because they're going to use it in the Mikdash. What about if you're not going to use it in the Mikdash? And there is a general debate as to what the menorah really looked like. That's first. That's an important question. So Charlie says, listen, first and foremost, in the old city, absolutely, it is the size. And he says, but if I'm putting it in the synagogue, I'm not going to do it the same size. Hacham Vadya Yosef quotes here in Shailot, Tishubot Havedat, Gimal. He quotes from Maran Bet Yosef that the size does not matter. It's never explicit in the Torah, the full dimension of the menorah. And as a result, although we have a tradition, as we know, Miksha, Miksha is not the size, Miksha is the way you'd construct it. As a, although we have a tradition as to the size. 
A small bed mikdash is, 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 is. Does that mean, as a result, we should have suns and moons in our synagogues? In other words, yeah, there's there's no question. Mikdash me'at is a synagogue. The Gemara refers to it as such. Masechet Megillah. But should that permit a full-sized menorah? So it doesn't even need to be a full size. What I'm telling you, Charlie, is Maran says even if it's a smaller size, the Torah never says explicit. We know it has shiva kanim. We know how many branches it has, but we don't know its size per se. We know what it was made of, but the Gemara is somewhat inclusive in, with that regard. So Hacham Vadya Yosef was asked about this question. With regards to whether it's going to be a menorah that uses oil, he quotes from many early author, earlier author, authorities that it would be forbidden. A menorah, seven, seven branches, which would be using oil, would be forbidden, whether in the synagogue, in your home, in the street, or anywhere else. That would be forbidden. Of course, that's... What's that? I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Now, in terms of what a menorah looked like, you might have noticed if you pass by a Chabad or you watch their, I don't know, Hanukkah something, they have a different vision of what a menorah looks like than perhaps uh, the one in the old city or the, perhaps the one that you've seen in books or uh, have looked at in different places. It's a lot more uh, straight lines as opposed to curved lines. You know what I'm referring to? Look at a Chabad, they always have it in that fashion. In fact, when I visited the Met with uh, Yeshiva Flapush on a trip at one point, they had Perusha Mishnayot of Harambam in his Kitab Yad. They had his writing, Harambam's writing, to his commentary to the Mishnayot, and in it, it was was open specifically to the page on which Harambam constructed, again, it's his pen that did it, what the menorah looked like. The picture there looks like the Chabad picture. Chabad is very close to Harambam in terms of their study straight lines. Would that make a difference? Potentially. But again, we're not certain exactly what it looked like, so you don't want to take, a ri- take, to take the risk on that. What if you didn't do them as parallel height? You put some up and some down. That would be pasul in the Mikdash. That would certainly be permitted won't look that pretty, although we have something similar downstairs, maybe for artistic reasons. It would look pretty. Generally speaking, you'd imagine it wouldn't look pretty. Hacham Vadya Yosef's vantage point for permissibility on this matter is, he says that the menorah in the Mikdash would not, according to his understanding, be permitted as an electric Hanukkiah. The question is always floated. If we had Mikdash, if we have Mikdash today, what sort, of, uh, what sort of procedures would we have? Uh, how are we going to do it? Is everything going to be the same? Is it going to be high-tech? Is it going to be using electricity or not? Hamvadya Yosef makes quite clear, according to his understanding, that me'akev, that an absolute necessity with regards to the menorah, was that it used olive oil and that it held the place for the olive oil at the top. And as a result, electricity... And if you have a menorah which uses electric light bulbs of one sort or another, that as a result invalidates it from being a kosher menorah in the mikdash. If that's the case, that's permitted in a synagogue. That's his vantage point for forbidding, for, for permitting. Some nonetheless forbid, but that's the way he goes. As a matter of fact, this, this very much dovetails with what I talked about a week and a half or so ago. When it comes to Hanukkah, the question is, can you make a beracha on an electric menorah, on an electric Hanukkah or not? Rabbi Yosef Masas in his book Ner Tamid and elsewhere suggested and argued that you could. He says, Kol mutarim, you're allowed to, Shohan Aruch says, you're allowed to use any type of wick or candle or anything, and as a result, why should we distinguish between an electric one or anything else? It says, with a beracha, go ahead, he argues, if I remember correctly, it might even be mehudar to do so. Now, don't get too far ahead of yourself before you accept that as being mehudar. Hacham Vadya Yosef argues against it. He has several reasons to argue against it. His primary one is 
that he quotes from Ran, from Rabbeinu Nisim, that the menorah of the Mikdash is supposed to be transplanted into our homes. And his argument in turn is, he's certain, as he writes in the same Teshubah, that in the Mikdash an electric menorah would not be permitted. And therefore in your home, although all oils and all wicks and all sorts of candles would be permitted, to that extent, he's not willing to go. So you have two interesting, one humrah and one kula as a result of his vision, his understanding of the menorah b'mikdash being uh, you know, not compatible with an electric menorah. A, a menorah in a synagogue or anywhere else, if it has seven branches, is permitted provided that it's electric and not using olive oil. And B, the humrah is you can't make a birachan hanukkah on Hanukkah if it has electric lights. Because the miracle was on the menorah and the mikdash, and we, in lighting our hanukkiyot, are reenacting that menorah and the mikdash. Why are candles permitted? So we go with the wicks at the very least, and as a result, that was a reality which was existent then, so you're right, you're right. It's a bit of a stretch. Sure. His argument is a bit of a stretch, and he teases that out in there. But that's the vantage point. That's the direction. Okay, says the Gemara onward, if you recall. Again, so that was the suggestion of the Gemara at that juncture. That's the way they staved off that claim that it should have been forbidden for Rabban Gamliel to construct, to have any images of the moons in his uh, in his uh, upper attic. Then the Gemara says, Again, seven lines from the top. Two words before the end of the line, those, uh, those, those helpers, so to speak, of God, that you can't make, you can't fully construct, meaning the sun or moon, are they really permitted? Doesn't the Beraita teach otherwise? Again, the Pasuk says, we have atnah, you stop over there, don't make with me, don't make what with me? Don't construct like those shamashim, those helpers that I have, bamarom in the heavens. We're no longer talking about a menorah and a shulchan and a mikdash. We're talking about heavenly, celestial bodies. We're talking about, it appears, the sun and moon. Well, that being the case, we're back to square one. Rabban Gamliel, how was it permitted for you to construct those moons? How do you have pictures of those moons? Amar asra Torah the only prohibition over here is if you make a demut, a vision of some sort, of four panim behadeh hadadeh means at once. This is resembling the way Yehezkel describes the Kiseh HaKabod. The Kiseh HaKabod, that royal throne, which is hard in any way to wrap your head around it, unless you're Musa, of course, to understand what that means. But the description is that it had four heads, which, so to speak, hold it up. And as I mentioned yesterday, it's the head, it's the vision of Adam, of a human being, of a shore, of an ox, of an aryeh, of a lion, and of a nesher. What's a nesher? Griffin vulture. Oh, you didn't graduate flappish. Griffin vulture. Rabbi Harmadi told us it's a griffin vulture. My bad if I don't know what a griffin vulture is, nor do I know what an eagle is. But apparently it's a griffin vulture. I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, this was ingrained into us. This was the only thing we learned in 12th grade. I know Neisha is a griffin vulture. I still don't know the difference. Anyway, okay. But that being the case, that's what you're not allowed to make. So as a result, you can make a moon. You can even make... It appears a human being alone. You can make an, an arye on its own and so forth. The only prohibition is doing them bahadeh hadadeh. 
All right, you really eliminated most of my issues. I still have the problem with the menorah, with the shohan, all sort of that stuff, but I don't really have a prohibition with moons and suns, says the Gemara. But wait a second, persuf adam Are you going to tell me then that making demut adam, persuf adam, some sort of sculpture, or even picture it appears of a human being, human being, on his own, tishtere, would be permitted. Then why is it so that we learned in the Beraita, kol ha-pirsufot mutarin, you're allowed to make any images other than chutz mi persuf adam. Clearly, the fact that we're prohibiting making the image of a human being means that even when they stand on their own abaye, it's prohibited. I repeat. In the Mikdash? Uh, anywhere. Anywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're in the Mikdash or outside of the Mikdash. It appears as if it's all prohibited. Of course, you might start to get worried, especially the photographers amongst us. Are you allowed to take photographs of human beings? Are you allowed to have photographs? If you have sculptures, is that permitted? Are you allowed to any of this sort of business? Certainly sounds prohibited here in the Gemara. Now, I understand that the Gemara is specifically talking about one being, meaning the human being, but for us at this juncture, we're getting a little bit nervous, first and foremost about portraits, and secondly, in our context, we're now back to being nervous about the moon. Before we talk about portraits at some point, either today or tomorrow, what we need to address first is in our Gemara. If you're telling me that even one in and of itself is prohibited, it means the moon in and of itself is prohibited. It's not only when you have the Adam, the Shor, the Nesher, and the Aryeh all together, it's even bilhodoi, it's even on its own. He says, I learned from the teaching of Abaye on this matter. The Pasuk says again, the Pasuk we've been teasing out and dealing with. Don't make with me. Now it doesn't say the word that you might use, in me, with me. If I'm talking about the people who are around me, to say in Hebrew, with me, you say, im. Sometimes you say ito, and sometimes you say vegam lelot haholech ito haya, and so forth. But oftentimes you use the word imo with im. You say im ayin mem. It means with. Why does Basuk say lot asun iti? The derasha is iti with me means me. Me? Who's that referring to? Anthropomorphic? We're talking about God having a body? We're referring to, the way you have to explain this Gemara, the way the Mepharshim say it, is when a person has an image of God, so to speak, a nivuah, a prophecy, is able to conjure up in a strange way what it means for God to look like in your mind. It's a human being. It's the way Yehezkel says it. It's the way, the truth is, the Gemara and Daf Yod Zayin talked about. And so forth. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol had a talet over his head and he's teaching Moshe the Yod Gimal Midot. What does it mean? He looks like a human being. Says Rabbeinu Hananel, if you recall, I know it was during the summer. Says Rabbeinu Hananel, it was a vision to Moshe. The vision to Moshe again is a vision of God, so to speak, in a human body. Well, it doesn't make, it's not that far-fetched. The Torah does tell us that we're each crafted b'selem Elohim. But to be at selem Elohim means in some way or fashion, I can't tell you what that means fully, you have a godly something to you. My favorite example is uh, uh, Rabbi Yonatan uh, Grossman's example. Rabbi Yonatan Grossman, you may have heard me tell this because it's the best way to portray this point. He says it goes like this. He says Shakespeare. 
Lehavdil, Shakespeare, as an individual that uh, you may have seen his picture. And if I put five, four pictures in front of you and I said, which one's Shakespeare? I imagine even the Buddha Amha'aretz amongst us would be able to point to the one that's Shakespeare. His picture is so much a part of our culture and society today, we could all point to him. He says, the truth is, uh, Professor uh, Rabbi Grossman says, he says, if you read the authoritative biography of some sort about Shakespeare, it's been proven that's not the picture of Shakespeare. It's similar to the Hafez Chaim Lehavdil, right? They say that picture is not the Hafez Chaim. We have the real picture today. We have a movie of him, that picture that every little kid will point to and say, that's the Hafez, it's on all the books. That's not actually him. And yet, it is him. What do you mean it is him? That's right, that's him. That's Shakespeare and that's, that's Hafez Chaim. It means that's the closest association you have to him because that's what we've accepted is him. So says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you want to find me, quote unquote, in this world, look at a human being. It's the closest you're gonna to come to association. That's the way you will understand something about me. For some reason, that's the picture which most associates it with it. What's that? That's talking about your own understanding. Musa goes a step further. He says, if you want to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so analyze yourself. From my own flesh, I'll understand. I'll be able to see, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's the point in our Gemara. So now, says the Gemara, we learned from the Dirashot, from the teachings of Abayim, the only craft that you're not allowed to bring forth, the only pirsuf, the only vision and image you can't craft on its own is a human being. Anything and everything else is permitted. Now, of course, that's not to say the Mikdash stuff is permitted, but it is to say that you can make, I don't know, you want to make pictures of oxen, you want to make pictures of griffin vultures or even eagles, you want to make pictures of Aryeh, of a lion, all permitted, and by extension, the sun and the moon are all permitted to make on their own. The only issue is the four together or a human being on its own. I would. Both. We, at oh. this juncture in the Gemara, we have no reason to, dis to distinguish. In the conclusion of the Gemara, we'll have to question. Ultimately speaking, the question will remain whether we should distinguish with a picture of a human being between whether it's a sculpture or just a picture. Why should we distinguish? At this juncture, there's no reason to distinguish. If it's a picture, it's a, and as a result, we'll discuss. And in this same tissue board, Four tissue both in a row. This morning I spent a few minutes just reviewing them, so I came prepared on this matter. He deals with every issue we're going to, that, that arises in our Gemara. Four tissue both in Yahadidat Gimah. So the first one was the Menorah. Well, in just a moment we'll talk about Aryeh on an Aron. You know, people put pictures of, of lions in their synagogues, whether that's permitted. And he'll address photographs as well. And he'll address, lastly, he talks about dolls. Can you, can you buy? Can you craft? Can you sell dolls? Anyway, says so sculptures. Sculptures by extension. Well, says the Gemara in, in our context, the only issue is Lotasun Oti. Says God, don't make me. Don't make me. You don't have a body, God. Don't make, you know, even the image of me, which is a human being. That being the case, the only prohibited craft, the only prohibited image that you can't put forth is human being on its own. And we're okay now. We're now more comfortable. We understand how Rabban Gamliel was able to be and permitted to craft the moon. You're allowed to make the moon, you're allowed to make anything else, just not the four together, or a human being, or the mikdash stuff. That's all we're up to. All from the same pasuk. All from the same pasuk. Says the Gemara, Ushe'ar Shamashin, and all those other servants of God, like the sun and the moon, Mishare, hang on a second, angels. Mishare, are they really permitted? If angels are prohibited, then there's no reason to say moon and sun are not prohibited. But right now, says the Gemara, is everything else permitted? You seem to be telling me even the angels to, yeah, allowed to make. 
says the Gemara, Shar Shamashin Mishare, Vahatanya doesn't say, Again, same Pasuk, don't craft with me, don't craft of me, Lotasun Kidmut Shamashai, Hameshameshin Lefanai Bamarum. Don't make like those who service me in the heavens. We're back to the problem. We're back to sun and moon should be prohibited. We're asking the same question over and over. We're asking it over and over from different, but I taught that nuance, different wording. You can't give all the same answers. Each one needs to be dealt with separately. Over here, we got the word bamarom. Bamarom means in the heavens. What's it coming to include if not the sun and the moon? In other words, earlier you could get out of you could squeeze your. Now that was the mikdash. That was uh, the image of a human being. You can't deal with each now one of those. Now it's in the heavens. Of course, you, you blew it for us already. You talked about angels. Kegon, yeah. for example, says the Beraita, Ofanim, Usrafim, You're not allowed to make any of the images of. Angels. Now, how are you going to know what an angel looks like? You could speak to Musa, or you could read uh, Zohar, or you could read the uh, Pesukim in your high scale. Whatever the point, or even if you have an image uh, in your own mind, you can't. You can't construct. That's what it says in the Beraita explicitly. If that's the case, you can't construct the moon either. Rabban Gamliel. What is that? How'd you make the uh, Levana? How'd you have those images in your attic? Amar Abayelo Asra Torah Ela Shemashin Shebemador Ha'Elyon. The answer of Abaye is the only uh, celestial helpers of God, so to speak, that are prohibited are those who are who, those who reside in the Madur Ha'elyon. Elyon, of course, means upper, right? Elyon, Al Kolar, it's upper sphere. The Gemara Masechet Hagiga. Hang on, hang on. Give it a give it a second. Give it a second. The Gemara Masechet. Give it a second. One sec. The Gemara Masechet Hagigan Daf Yod Bet describes how there are seven heavens, seven domains to the heaven. Not fully clear what they mean. The Gemara details each of those. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to understand this, we know who to turn to for these sorts of issues. However, the Gemara does state in the uppermost of those spheres, that's where the Malachim reside. In the second, and we're going to call that the lowest for our purposes, in the second of those, that's where the sun and the moon reside. Well, that being the case, the only and specific issue with regards to constructing is if it's in the Elyon, is if it's in the seventh. That's what it says in the Beraita, the Malachim, the Srafim, and the Ofanim, which are all described. That's Marom Ha'elyon. The word was Marom, which sounded like all-inclusive. The qualification is right now, not so fast. Abaye says the only Isur is the uppermost which makes sense once we accept there are different levels over here. And the Pasuk does say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells you, don't make like me. It's hard to argue that you can't make anything necessarily. Tafasta merubalo tafasta. I'll take the closest, so to speak, with whatever I can envision. And that's the Serafim, the Ofanim, the Malachi Hasharet, which are, of course are a reference to all types of angels. Certainly, that's a reference to him being involved in upper worlds, not not getting into the upper, the different spheres of right. upper worlds. Over here, we're talking about the upper worlds. Now, the Gemara again, in a cryptic fashion, as you'd expect it to be, talks about seven upper worlds, and it describes as the uppermost being the domain of the angels, and the second to top being the sun and the moon. So it's not going to impinge on that Gemara or any of those statements. When I'll say to you. And I say it all the time, and I say it to you and to everyone else. Your 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 mission in life is to bridge that gap between the lower and upper world. I say it all the 
time, which means today you're supposed to collapse the upper world into your life. I'm not getting involved in seven upper realms. I'm talking about conceptually, like that, that statement about Shalom HaMelech and many others are, about envisioning sanctity and divinity that manifests itself throughout. So it's not really going to touch us over here. Says the Gemara, is it really so? Are you telling me in the lower Mador, Mador Milashon Dira, the dwelling area, the lower dwelling area of heavens, and again, it's really the second the Gemara Masechet Hagiga says, but regardless, says the Gemara, is that really permitted? Are you telling me sun and moon? Because he wiggled out of it again. Rabban Gamliel seems clear again. He's okay. He's not making angels. He's making moon. Vehatanya doesn't the Beraita say different? Now this Beraita is bringing us to an earlier pasuk there in Parashat Yitro. It's the pasuk in the Ten Commandments. The Torah says, not only at the end of the parasha, don't craft Avodah Zarah. Of course, in the second of the Ten Commandments of the Aseret HaDeberot, the Torah says, you're not allowed to lo ta'aseh lecha fesel v'chol temuna asher b'ashamay mima'al v'asher ba'aretz mitahad v'asher b'amay mitahad ha'aretz. I'm reading the whole pasuk here, Shemot Perek Chav Pasuk Dalet. Luckily, I have a hard time even reading it without the ta'amim. Anyway, it says the pasuk, you're not allowed to craft any pesel. Pesel, of course, is a statue of some sort. Choltimuna, or an image. Asher bashamayim, listen to the words, which is in the heavens. Mima'al, above. Vasher ba'aretz, or in the, the ground. Mitahat, below. Those, aha, so those words now, the mima'al, above, and mitahat, below. Of course, if you're reading in a poetic fashion, so it's a poetic graph in the upper realm or the lower realm, but it does seem to be extra words, as Jesse already points out. Bashamayim mimal, the heavens above, and the ground, the land below, is that just two, heavens and, gra- and land, or is it heavens and above, and land and below? You know rabbinic thought already. Says the Beraita, asher bashamayim lerabot hama. When the Pasuk says, bashamayim the heavens, it's referring to an inclusivity of the sun. And as well, all the constellations and the moon and the stars. That next word in the Pasuk, above, even the seventh Mador, the angels. Wait a second. That being the case, I'm in trouble again. Rabban Gamliel, how were you allowed to make the images of moons? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. You argued, Abaye, just a moment ago that it's only the uppermost realm, the Malachi Hasharet, the Seraphim, the Ofanim, which is prohibited. Not the second realm, not the lower realms. But says the Gemara, we have a Beraita which explicitly states that Bashamayim and Mima'al are two references in the Pasuk. One to the lower realm, the Shama, the Levana, and so forth. And the other, the upper realm, Rabban Gamliel. How was it permitted? Answers the Gemara, Kitanya, that Beraita is specifically Kitanya Hahi Le'obdam. That pasuk is not the pasuk at the end of the parasha. The pasuk at the end of the parasha, which we were dealing with yesterday, which we began the day with today, only and specifically states, Lo ta'asun iti. Lo ta'asun means don't craft, don't make with me. Wait a second, wait a second. This pasuk in Parashat Yitro earlier in the Ten Commandments doesn't only say lo ta'ase. What does the pasuk say immediately thereafter, Morris? The pasuk says, you're not, only, you're not only prohibited in making them, you're prohibited in making them, the understanding is, to then worship them. 
that being the case, you're right. If you're making it to worship, if you're crafting sun or moon in order to worship it, prohibit it. If you're crafting it heke, that's permitted. You just can't craft this, the angels, the upper abode. That's an interesting reference. The truth is we find this in the Torah in several places. The Torah talks about the initial stage when in reality it's references to the final stage. What do I mean by that? What do we say every day in Kiryat Shema with regards to our sisit? Ve'asulahem sisit. I don't know about you. I'm not very good with my hands. I don't have technical capabilities. I never danced well. I don't play instruments well. I don't strand strings well. I wish I did. I would make my own CCO like my brother. But I don't. And that being the case, did I not fulfill the mitzvah? The Pasuk says, Ve'asu. The Pasuk in the Torah oftentimes will refer to the initial stage when in reality, according to our understanding, it's, re- it's really leading you into the later stage, both in commandments and in prohibitions. You have it by Sukkot as well. Haka Sukkot, shivat yamim, which in its most simple sense is referring to constructing and crafting the Sukkot. As a matter of fact, this is quoted in a Teshubah by Tashbetz. Tashbetz is named Bishim'on ben Semach Duran. And Tashbetz, who was an important Spanish 15th century rabbi, Algeria as well, he has a Teshubah in which he talks about, it's actually became relevant in the last 70, 80 years, about whether there's a mitzvah bizman hazeh, like Ramban Nachmani argues, to settle the land of Israel. Because if you look in the Pesukim in the Torah, the Pesukim in the Torah seem to talk about virishtem ata'aretz, vitnachaltem ota, talks about conquering and settling and Initially. Well, once you conquered and settled initially in the first Kibusha Aretz, Yoshua's days, maybe there's no longer a mitzvah. The argument he has is that it's still a relevant mitzvah. This is, in fact, it's a Pasuk Ramban quote, and everybody jumps on him. Migilat Esther is a commentary over there. This is what he's talking about. The Pasuk is only on the initial Kibush. Not so fast. The Pesukim sometimes in the Torah refer to an initial stage, whereas the later stage is the actual mitzvah. As a result, I'm just comparing that to over here. Says the Gemara, you want to know when the sun and moon are prohibited only if you're worshipping them. The Pasuk says, Lo ta'asu. Pasuk says, Don't craft. The immediate aftermath of that Pasuk, and the, the, the segue is into, and don't worship them. Can I very, impo- very important question. Mars wants to know if, uh, whether you have, by the way, I said four tishubot over here. The fifth tishuba is on crosses. Now, when it comes to crosses, it's a bit different because crosses and, and constructing four, you're confusing to, I'll explain why. That's right. The c- constructing four worship, even by others, is prohibited. That's clear. In more than one place. Across the question is whether it's purposed for and whether people actually worship it or they just wear it as an adornment. Chacham Vadya Yosef, quoting from Taz and Shach, several of the Ashkenazic poskim and Shohan Aruch argues that it's permitted because Christians don't worship the cross. They don't even use it as a method of worship. They have it as a representation. Chacham Vadya Yosef very famously quote. He very famously, they do that, but they don't wear the cross for that reason. Chacham Vadya Yosef very famously in that Teshubah quotes for that Rabbi Yaakov Meir, who was the Rishon Lesion of Eretz Israel in the early 20th century used to wear, now the pictures don't really look that way, it looks not look like, it doesn't exactly look like a cross, but he says he used to wear, and it's well known, he used to walk around with a cross, he was given it as a present by some army person, or some, maybe the British consul or something like that, and he would walk around that story, I've told this story more than once, in the play in the school at one point, 
Rabbi Yaakov Meir, Chacham Vadei Yosef quotes it. It was Rishon Mitzion and Ezra. As I was playing in school at one point, they were doing a Holocaust remem- uh, memorial, remembrance uh, play, and there was different students who had met with uh, survivors of the Holocaust. So a young woman had met with and spent a lot of time with a woman who spent her time during the war years in a, co- in a convent, in, a, in a, a, a Christian sanctuary. And when she got out, she of course returned to Judaism and so forth. She met with this girl and she met with this girl and talked with her and the girl became very close. This is eight, nine years ago. The girl became very close with her. The woman said to this girl, she says, I want you to see the cross that I wore all this time. The woman at this point was no longer wearing the cross, but she said, this is what gave me my survival. This, I'm very close to it. I held on to it, even though I think she lived in Borough Park, a very religious woman today. She said, but this is, and she said to the, so, so the girl said, can I, can I hold on to that fellow? She said, sure. They put on the production at the school. It was a big production or whatever. And the girl, without telling anyone, put it underneath her shirt. She wanted to feel close to this woman and she felt like she's acting the woman. They put on a shirt, she's acting the woman in her survival. She put it on there and she's in the middle of performing and she goes like this and the cross flings out and everybody saw it and I'm told I wasn't there, there was a gasp. And the show finishes and someone went up to several people and started yelling, there's a cross in our school and so on and so forth. And then I, oh, the, the next morning I'm teaching a class elsewhere and someone comes up and says, What's, is there an issue with crosses? I said, so I was quoting the Tushabav, Hamvadiya Yosef, I picked up on my, uh, wick, on my Google, I showed him a picture of Rabbi Yaakov Meir. He says, okay, I'm very happy. I said, well, well what's weird? He says, you didn't just heck yeah, as we are going into the business of selling them. So he told me the story. So I went to the school and I tried to settle matters. The question, of course, to me ultimately was, are we happy with this happening? I'm, I'm not happy with this happening. It's not what I wanted, but let's not turn this into Isur. I will tell you, it's a short follow-up. That uh, two weeks later, the chief rabbi, Hacham Yitzhak Yosef, came to the school and he was telling a story to the students. And he says, my father, right before he passed away, called me into his room and he called me to his night table and he told me, I want to give you something that I wore around my neck for many years. I was given to me as a present as when I became the chief rabbi, I think of Tel Aviv, maybe of Eretz Yisrael. And he opens up his drawer and the person next to me whispers into my ear, is he about to tell us about a cross? <laughs> anyway, and it was, it was a picture of the Luhot. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's right, that's right. Anyway, just to conclude this statement, the Gemara says the Gemara kitan yahahi le'ovdam asks the Gemara. So again, the Gemara's statement at this juncture is that Rabban Gamliel was okay. Rabban Gamliel had the pictures of the moon up in his attic, which he would show them. He's okay. The only prohibition of a moon is if it's being crafted to worship. The Gemara will go on to challenge this. We still have some time before we conclude this discussion, but at this point, Rabban Gamliel has steady grounding with regards to his images of the Levana that he had up in his attic. Baruch Amen, amen.